All right, Caleb, we are into season 40 of Survivor, and I really feel like turning over a new leaf. And what I mean by that with regards to our podcast is, and, and this is coming from all of our fan that have, have given us feedback over the last several years that we've been doing this very successful podcast, I'm, I tend to be kind of mean and judgmental. And so what I want to do is I want to address a, a subject really quick, and that is that there is a significant line between the stronger players and the weaker players. But I want to be real sensitive about it. I want to be sensitive to these, these players because out of all due respect, these are all winners, right? But yep. at the yep. same time, I have to I have to call out some players who, let's just Gee, say, I wonder who you're gonna call out. <laughs> I wonder who it's gonna be. Let me let me just say, I think um, that these players could be doing better this season so far, and I'm gonna have to say some names here, and no hard feelings. Ben Drebergen, Amba, <laughs> Michelle, Nick. I'll phrase it this way. These players have some opportunities to improve throughout the rest of the season. And particularly Amba on the Extinction Island, she she has an opportunity to, to play some physical games and possibly get back in this thing. Yep. Um, first, first thing I want to talk about, Caleb, is reviewing this episode. Who do you feel like out of all these survivors won the episode who who basically did you enjoy seeing the most who do you feel like had the most exciting play in episode one so i think it's pretty cut and dry i think without a shadow of a doubt it goes to the guy that embarrassed ben Dreebergen in front of all of us it goes to boston rob <laughs> oh and no i mean it's not even close i mean <laughs> you look at every facet of the game so you look at the strategic play basically he's the target as he should have been and within you know a few of our minutes, I'm sure it was quite a bit longer in the actual game, but within just a couple of moves, he basically goes to Ben and just arm wrestles him and gets him to tell him everything, even though, and, and let's be honest, Ben made it pretty easy. He didn't arm put up much of a fight. I was going to say, that's a pretty nice term to use. Yeah, but, but here's, here's, why I think it's, here's why I think it's still noteworthy. So he sensed that Ben knew something, and he also sensed that he could push him around a little bit. So he asks him, hey, whose name have you heard? He said, basically, I've heard your name. Who told you that? Oh, I don't remember. I don't feel like I can trust you, Ben. And he says, oh, yeah, it was Danny. And then he switches with Danny. He confronts Danny. But instead of pushing her around, he comes from a place of, hey, no big deal. I totally get it. Let's work together. So yeah. he takes two contrary approaches with two yeah. different players because he knew how to approach each one of them. Yeah. You combine that with the fact that he killed it in that second immunity challenge yeah, he did. by just launching people over that, uh, yep. I don't even know what that thing's called, that barrel. Yeah, and the barrel. Roll. easily to me, he won the episode. The biggest loss for him in the episode is that his wife got voted off. Obviously, that had nothing to nothing do with to him, do though. With him. Yeah. Uh, easy, easy win for Boston Rob. He made other players look silly by comparison. Also, kudos to him for working with Parvati, and I think uh, if they stick together, they could do really, really well. What do you think? It's like you said, Boston Rob. There's no real argument for anyone else. I mean, I saw you will make some interesting plays. I saw some, some decent sure. gameplay 
from from Vlachos. I think he tried at least to suppress his his killer instinct. He for did. A little he while. did good enough at least Somewhat to where he didn't freak anyone out. And he didn't get voted out first. Right. Anyways, I want to get back to Boston Rob because he deserves almost the entirety of our topics of discussion today just with the entertaining play. So here's my question, Caleb. How does a group of survivors with this much experience watching and playing Survivor not make it priority number one to oust the most clever social manipulator in the history of reality TV? There is a big dividing line that goes between these winners and... I think it really exposes a truth in reality TV. There have been weak seasons in Survivor that have led to some winners that are, again, trying to be nice here, less deserving than others. Sure. And and case in point, Benjamin Bergen, in that, that discussion, that social interaction that you just described, it was so fun for me to watch because you could see that Boston Rob knew from the beginning of that interaction exactly how to manipulate yep. Ben. Ben absolutely just divulged all the information that he had almost instantly about the target that was on Rob's back, allowing Rob to do what he does when he gets all the information. He used it to manipulate himself into the head of another Boston Rob alliance. The way Rob manipulated Danny and the way he manipulated Ben were different, but they had one theme, and that was fear. Ben was, he, he, he described himself as starstruck. He said, look, I was starstruck, I had stars in my eyes, but that's not the case at all. Ben didn't want to get voted off. He didn't want to have Rob as his enemy, and Rob came at him direct and assertive, not, not overtly angry or aggressive. He was assertive, and that was enough to cause Ben to crumble like a pile of bricks and Danny came from a different direction right she said everyone's a target I didn't really know I was throwing everybody's name out right when Boston Rob confronted her and what he said to her he said I can tell you're alone you don't have anyone to trust right now he accentuated to her the fact that she's alone and caused her to think I need Boston Rob right now and he was charming enough to get her on his side and now we have another Boston Rob alliance that was motivated and manipulated through fear. And it is a masterful performance. And I'm so glad we get to see it in a season of, of winners. And, and to touch on his, his strategic performance during immunity challenges, he was the same way during the first immunity challenge. There's a, a little comment that he made during the challenge. He noticed that the tide, the waves, were pushing and floating the teams to, I guess, the viewers' right. Right, they were going kind of left to right. So he was instructing his team at, from the outset to go as far to the viewers left as possible at the very beginning to make it easier for his team to use the tide to push them towards their post. If his team had listened, they would have been as successful as he was in the challenge. Obviously he beasted it, right? He was the only one from his team to win a round of that challenge. Immediately, as soon as Rob sees a challenge, he knows exactly how to attack it. He knows how to how to get that strategic advantage. And it, it is just so much fun to watch him play. And also, one other thing I want to talk about with strategy with Boston Rob, he realized the strength of the old school style of Survivor versus the new style and its weaknesses. Right. During the most strategically apt point in the episode, 
Rob pointed out that the new style of Survivor leaves newer players feeling alone without anyone to count on in an alliance. And since a lot of the players are used to the old school style, since they're taken from all different seasons of Survivor, he is trying to ally with the older players that understand that strength, like Parvati. Now, all these players who are thinking, like Sophie mentioned, about who they want to get out, he's busy forming his alliance of strength. He's getting his footing in this season. He's going he's gonna to get pretty far. I don't know if he's going to last to the merge, but he is going to get further and further. And not only that, he's going to be making some decisions between now and then that people are going to go along with. Yeah, I think the biggest danger for him is just that he becomes public enemy number one because people will realize it. And once a majority of people are willing to vote him out on that, I think that's all it'll take. I think Boss and Rob won the episode. I think old school, you know, because I think that's the term that's used, old school players typically to me seem to be ready to go and, and more ready for this game than the new school players. I think Yule, like you mentioned, is a pretty good example. The guy hasn't played since his first season that he won. Season and he 13. dropped right back in. And yeah. was good to go. He was yeah. ready for it. He didn't yeah. have to acclimate 100%. to the season again. He was in it, and he didn't overextend, but he didn't underplay either. And I think that's really noteworthy. Yeah, absolutely. Yule Yule's fantastic, and even him noticing that there was a poker alliance. I mean, he's done his research. The dude is so smart. I absolutely love watching Yule. He's also a really physical player. Did you like the physicality of the challenges? I know you mentioned that you liked that Boston Rob used the tide to his advantage, but did you like that basically he was also able to just, you know, due to his size, I think, just kind of tow those <laughs> other people towards his post? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I love how Survivor tends to use up the physical challenges like the head-to-head, hard-hitting impact challenges for the beginning of the season when everyone is still relatively nourished. Once everyone starts starving, it becomes a lot harder to watch. So as the game progresses and players get weaker, they tend to shift to more of the endurance and puzzle challenges. Some of the challenges that kind of cause you to have to use your brain a lot more, which is very smart. Also, one thing I loved (laughs) about the challenges, this sounds weird, but I'm going to go with it. We got to see a lot of belly jiggles. Dude. From... The... So, okay. So on that real quick. So I saw a headline or an article, something yeah. that basically said, this is the highest average age for a survivor season ever, which makes a lot of sense, right? It's all <laughs> sure. winners sure. and they've all gotten a lot older. I mean, I think it's Yule hasn't played in 14 years. Poverty even, you know, who's still one of the younger ones hasn't played right. in, I think right. 10 years. Right. Um, she, didn't, she hasn't played since heroes versus villains, which was season 20. This is season 40, two seasons a year. Right. Right. But with that as well, I do think because of that, there is on average some, some additional weight, even some of the, you know, typically skinnier guys like Tyson, looks like they've put on some dad bod pounds and mm-hmm. maybe that was a little bit strategic but i can't help but think on the whole well it's because this is like battle of the titans and these guys you know they're they're coming out of retirement for this yeah. one it's like floyd mayweather you know it's yeah. like they had, they didn't quite get you know all the yeah. way back in shape yeah. but uh yeah. definitely some belly jiggles oh yeah particularly from boston rob i'll say it I feel like I, I and i don't mean to be judgmental or or mean again turning over new leaf but man, you know, could have probably done some like intermittent fasting or something before you take off your shirt in front of 
millions and millions and millions of people. I mean, he's already, think about this, he was already on season 39, and he wasn't in shape on season 39, so why get in shape for season 40? That's a fair point. He, yeah. he, he wants a $2 million. He could care less about how he looks on TV. And I get it. I get yeah, it. For sure. I get well, it. He's and, still I mean, the boss. He's still the boss. It's not like really anyone gets through a whole season of Survivor with their, you know, their dignity and their physical looks. You know, you're, you're pretty, you're, you're pretty uh, withered down by the end, whether you're fit or not. Sure. Switching gears. Here's another question for you. What was something in the game that really surprised you? Like we've been talking about boss and Robin off a lot. But being honest, we knew he was going to kick butt. We just didn't know if he was going to get targeted from the uh, beginning. So what's something else that was really surprising to you? I had two people that stuck out to me. The first has to be Yule. And kind of touching on what you talked about earlier, he looks and acts the same as he did during Cook Islands. That was season 13. And at that time, he used Ozzy to get him to the final and beat him by taking all of the strategic moves for himself, which which he deserved. You know, he looks and acts the same, but as he pointed out at the very beginning when they landed on the beach, it's a new game, and he is willing to adapt. Yule has a unique mastery, I think, of the old-school alliance style of Survivor with a, an understanding of the changing landscape of individual moves in the newer generation of players. And I think that makes him uniquely dangerous. I did not expect it. I, I've always respected Yule. I, I feel like he's Godfather light is what I call him, where Boss and Rob is kind of the Godfather. Agreed. I see Yule as, as, a, as a good challenger for, for Boss and Rob's throne. And then the other, the other person who really surprised me was Ethan. It should be no surprise that I'm I'm a big fan of Ethan Zahn. When he was in Survivor Africa, I I thought he was just the the best person. It was probably the only time I can think of that the player that I watched from the beginning that I really liked ended up winning. Um, but yeah, Ethan. I mean, it's a cancer survivor. What can I say? I mean, he he's a really fit guy too, um, who is genuinely nice. And he's maybe not the most strategic player, but he's trying. He's definitely trying. And you see him in a lot of conversations during the episode. Yeah, he's aware of where his shortcomings are, at least, which is, I think self-awareness is one of the top attributes for a Survivor winner. Survivor, for this season, they're they're guaranteeing every player who gets onto the beach $25,000 and then $10,000 extra per player for attending the reunion so all of those players are getting at least $35,000 which is something that's brand new there they used it to entice some of these players to come back so there are some players in my opinion that are there for the $35,000 Ethan is not one of them and that surprised me he's he's hungry to play because he worked so hard to get there to get where he is right now he's not taking anything for granted and he's a lot of fun to watch i hope he makes it really far yeah i think he's gonna be one of those players where when the tolls of the game come and he has to rely on himself to figure out how to make it through i don't think it's going to be a new feeling for him having to dig deep as jeff says and figure out a way to find the strength to, you know, just push for another day. I think he'll fall right back into, you know, 
some of the life lessons he learned through his recovery for sure. So there were a couple people that surprised me in this episode uh, besides Boston Rob. And it was mostly from a, at least the, the people that were most surprising to me were the people that made some pretty obvious mistakes. Uh, first off are Adam and Denise choosing to basically be gone for an extra long time on day one when one of the biggest things you can do in Survivor is just be present on the beach on day one. Make sure you're contributing to building the shelter and also demonstrate to everyone else that you're not being sneaky on day one. You're going to at least feel out the tribe and make sure you know where you stand before you try to go look for an idol or have a bunch of private conversations. And that's what really got them all of that heat. With that, the next thing that was surprising to me was Jeremy and Natalie not seeing that spotlight potentially turning on to them for doing the exact same thing because everyone was freaking out about Adam and Denise because they're looked at as Mm -hmm. strategic smart players that were gone for a long time. But the thing is they hadn't met before that. Whereas Natalie and Jeremy. It was more of a, it it seemed like more of a circumstantial thing than anything else. Like they were just like, let's take stock. Let's look around who's here. And they're just not there. And and it's just extremely unlucky. Definitely. Well, I think it's just knowing as survivor winners, you should know that you don't want to give them any reason for you, for you to be the first vote off. And Natalie and Jeremy should have seen, hey, they were targeted for a pretty small offense. Let's not talk that yeah. much. And it yeah, looked like they were point. talking and strategizing quite a bit because mm-hmm. I think they thought the vote was settled. So they felt safe. And then they really showed that they had a stronger alliance than a lot of other people on that beach. And consequently, right. I think Natalie was targeted. Um, so that was pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I, I think Natalie was targeted for a few other reasons, too. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with Boston Rob and Parvati seeing her as a huge threat. Definitely. And, and rightly so. I think Natalie is one of the better players to do it. I think she, you know, maybe had a little bit of a blind spot there with Jeremy. You know, maybe maybe the fact that she trusted Jeremy so much kind of led to her her downfall because she didn't feel like she had to scramble with other people. She was like, okay, I've got this comfortable set alliance with Jeremy here and now I'll lean on Jeremy a little bit and maybe if she had been alone she might have had that panic that can oftentimes turn a strategic player into a player with a with a really strong alliance and a strong plan going forward yeah speaking of Parvati and Boston Rob that was the other thing that was surprising to me it, it, yeah. it wasn't yeah. a secret what the tribes were you know going into this premiere so I knew that they were going to be on this tribe together but I didn't think that they were going to work together necessarily just because they have the history from heroes versus villains where poverty essentially chose Russell over Rob and and got him out because of it. And she's just so smart. So the fact that they work together and I can tell that there is some pretty good deep understanding between them as veterans of the game. uh, You know, this is poverty's what fourth time out there. And this is Boston Rob's fifth. And they're two of the most prolific players they're both parents now. They've kind of grown up during their tenures as Survivor players. And right. I think that they can see working with one another for a long time. I don't know if that's going to happen. The weight of targeting one of them might just become too great. But the thing is, they really kind of protect one another. Having both of them around gives each other one someone else to target in the event of some late game moves. So I think they see value in that. I really hope they stick it because I think they're both really interesting players. 
Yeah. I was surprised as well, but when Parvati started to explain kind of why, Parvati said that she knew Boston Rob didn't really have anyone else to trust besides her because both of them knew that they were the biggest targets. And so that's keeping them together for now. But guess what? As soon as one of them feels extremely comfortable, the other, they, they know how each other think and they, they respect each other too much to continue that alliance very far. It's not going to make it to the merge. There's no way. As soon as one of them feels comfortable enough to, to sway the rest of their alliance to vote out the other, they're going to do it. The you first so? opportunity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Man, I hope that they, they stick around for a little bit longer. My biggest fear this episode, man. Okay, this is my third thing that surprised me. I have lots of thoughts on things that <laughs> you, surprised me. You must me. have been surprised. The whole <laughs> I was surprised show. endlessly. But another <laughs> one was how quickly Tyson went from you know being his normal proud strategic self to walking around like a dog with his tail between his legs all it took was one comment from sandra saying tony wants to go for you and boom yeah yeah. he he was just like he went into as he said survival mode i was so surprised and i think he's just really afraid of having another heroes versus villains screw up where he doesn't you know think about the long game and you know the example there with heroes versus villains is that he voted for poverty and then rather than the way that they had all agreed, and he went home because of it. I think he's really afraid of being an early vote-off, and he acted differently because of it. You know, that's that's kind of something I wanted to talk about, too. When you have a season of winners, a lot of these players, like you mentioned, have played before. This almost, to me, even though it doesn't make sense, it, it almost feels like a second-chances season. Because in Survivor Second Chances, you had people talking about the whole time they were talking about the mistakes that they had made in the past. Well, you kind of have the exact same thing here. You know, Parvati's explaining right. that, you know, she's been targeted by Rob. She targeted Rob. And and these players have really learned from their experiences. Do you think that that has a, a lot to do with, you know, how strategically people are playing? People who've played a lot more have a lot more to learn from? Or do you feel like it's more of a... Like for Tyson, it almost seems like a PTSD thing where he's just so afraid of getting knocked out that he kind of freezes and panics. You can't improve your game if you're not in the game anymore. So is it better to cut your losses with an alliance or really, it wasn't even really an alliance with Amber and Kim, but I mean, it kind of had a semblance of that. They were going to vote together. And is it better just to cut those ties and say, you know what, I'm with you on this vote and live another day and fight another day? I mean, there's definitely value there. It was, let's say that he had been the target and he didn't back down and he got voted off because of it. Well, then we'd be talking about what a big mistake he made. And I would be super bummed because Tyson's one of my favorite players. But he acted in a way and he made it to the next day on the beach. So in some sense, he was successful. I think the other idea is that all of these players, well, not all of them, most of them, probably the highest of any season so far are hyped, famous, highly looked at players that all of the people that are coming on to new seasons of Survivor kind of idolize. And I think some of them are trying to preserve that legacy because let's say that Boston Rob got voted off first or Sandra got voted off first. Would as many people think of her as Queen Sandra or as, you know, Godfather Boston Rob, I think it's a little bit diminished. That reputation would have taken a hit. So are they trying to, you know, are they throwing away some football to protect their quarterback rating? 
you know, in their old age? Are they trying to make sure they, you know, don't end below 500, so to speak? I think there has to be some of that going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they're all terrified of being the first voted off. They're Everyone all is. terrified. Nobody wants to be that that guy or that girl. For sure. I mean, you know. they've seen it. They've been in enough seasons where they, they've done it to everyone else, and they know how quick that first vote out is and how hard it is to make sure that everything falls into place because there were, you know, there's 20 people in this season at the beginning. Right. That's a lot of people to make sure you're on good terms with. So, yeah, and it seemed like, too, and maybe it was the edit, but it seemed like some players came in with a plan and some players came in, like I mentioned earlier, for the $35,000. And then it's just like, like, like Ben, he had absolutely no plan whatsoever from the beginning, right? He crumbles the first time Rob asked him a question. And it's because he didn't have like a strong alliance. He didn't have an idea of, okay, I want to get with you know, this person or this person or you know, and there was no, there was no action. He's just reacting to everything. And, and, and so it kind of begs the question, you know, how, how, how bad does some of these players want it? And, it, you know, Rob comes in with that same fear tactic that he uses every time Parvati comes in. She says she's, she's changing, but really her, her flirtatious nature, that's, that's still a big part of her gameplay you know, it, <laughs> I found I found it quite funny, you know, because she's talking about how, you know, now she's married and she has a kid and she's she can't flirt anymore. And then the next scene is her like talking to Boston Rob in the forest. and They're like hitting right. each other and like she's back to the old poverty. There's she can't change her personality like that. That is that is part of what makes her so dangerous in this game is she she's got charm and she's not afraid to use it. And I don't think that she should necessarily change. I think that that's one of her one of her bigger assets is to okay, you know, charm this person, make them trust me, make them like me, and then you know when they're unsuspecting, stab them in the back. That's that's Parvati's right. game, and she's great at it. Yeah. So I do think we need to wrap it up soon, but before we do, I think we have to talk about for at least a little bit about the biggest new game mechanic change in quite some time. Probably the biggest change since the fire-making challenge for the final three, which is the fire tokens. Fire tokens. What do you think about those? Is this an improvement? Is this making it too complicated? Do you think it's actually strategic? I, I think I'll have a better opinion or a more developed opinion on fire tokens later on in the season. At this point, I definitely don't mind when Survivor switches it up especially since we're on Fiji every year. I like I like changes intermittently. It adds a dynamic. I feel like it definitely benefits people who are in strong alliances, like the old school style players, as their allies are likely to give their tokens to them once they're voted out, right? So that manifests itself in immunity idols and also the tokens that they can use to get advantages in the challenges. Right the people who have strong alliances or strong friendships are definitely in a better place because of this mechanic. But like I said, I mean, we're going to have to see it play out a little bit more before we can really make a determination on it. What, do, what did you think? I like that they made a structural game change for an all winter season. So these are all people that have presumably mastered the rules of the game and now are here so you have to throw them some kind of curveball to make it to where they have to adapt to a new set of rules and incentives so that way there's you know there's more choices there's more trade-offs there's more things that they have to think about and consider the other thing i do like about it is that since we do have the edge of extinction 
and we are likely going to have, I mean, I don't know, eight players on there, 10 players on there when we go to the merge and one of them gets back in. All of those players are going to be competing for those fire tokens to try to buy advantages or sustenance while they're on the edge so that way they have an advantage in that challenge and increase their likelihood of getting back in the game and then being able to use those fire tokens to or rather getting them from people in the game sometimes Mm -hmm. can allow those edge of extinction players to have a much greater impact on the actual island game than they did during the season 38 uh queen ream you know, season of Edge of Extinction. So I like that it allows them to interact on some level. I also do like, and the information gap here isn't huge, but I do like that people will be gifted those when people are voted out. And it does give a little bit of a heads up as to what happened. Case in point is when Boston Rob was given the fire token and he was basically like, Amber got voted out and or or something weird happened. I think he said, or maybe it was Sandra. But if it was Amber, then Sandra voted her out. And he knew just from getting that fire token what had taken place. Obviously, it's not going to be a secret very long. They're going to see each other at a challenge pretty soon. But he gets to think about that and strategize and change his gameplay when he's the only one that knows. He can change his gameplay immediately on that island to his fellow tribe mates before they know that information that he already does. Yeah. All right, Caleb, well, that about wraps us up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting with your comments and your feedback. And we'll see you all next week. Talk to you guys later.